0: Man, we are in the writing that, that, that was read to you in, in Philippians. Philippians is one of my favorite books. Paul begins this, his letter because he's, he's definitely under persecution, but the church in Philippi is beginning to feel the pressures of, of persecution as well. And in the first chapter in verse 6, he says this. It's one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. He says, being confident of this very thing that he, which has begun a good work in you, shall perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He is looking at this church that is starting to feel the heat and the pressure of the culture around them that when they profess Christ, they're getting pushed back, and, they're, and the Roman government is beginning to push against them. And, and Paul is reminding them, he's saying, listen, The one that called you, the one that blessed you, the one that healed you, the one that delivered you, the one that cleansed you, the one that pardoned you, the one that filled you with his spirit will not let go, will not not lose his grip on you, and he is not going to give up on you. That the one that started that good work in you, he is going to perform it until he splits the eastern sky and you get to live and reign with him forever. That's what Paul is saying, and he goes on, and in chapter 2, he begins this great discourse. And he's talking to the church, and he's saying, listen, here's how to overcome. If you're struggling with persecution, if you're you're struggling with, with the culture that's around you, you can overcome by being thankful and developing the culture of a servant. Of a servant. Isn't that odd? That we would become servants so we could become victorious. But thankfulness, he he starts in, in, in chapter two, he says, If you have any encouragement from being united, oops, I went a little. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, yeah, I want you to look at that because eventually one of these days, I'm going to break this down and do a whole series just on this passage, but today I want to kind of go through the whole thing. What Paul is saying is, is simply this, these things are things that you should be thankful for. He's saying to the church in Philippi, are you thankful that you're united with Christ? That you're not a stranger, that you're not an alien, that you're not an enemy, but you are united with Christ. He has pardoned you, and he has given you eternal life. That you are united, that you're bonded. And the word that he's he's using, that when when, when you're bonded together with Christ, is like an inseparable bond. ever use glue on something only for another part to fall off but the two pieces that you glued together they're not going anywhere and that's what he's saying is sometimes I have glued things together and realized I shouldn't have glued them together And, and and so you start trying to take it apart and it doesn't come apart the bond is so strong that it will rip the material or it will rip the the plywood it will take the veneer off the plywood but you're not going to break that bond and that's what he is saying About us and Christ. He is saying that we should be thankful that we have this bond that we're united with Christ. That there's nothing in this world that can separate you from Christ. That there's nothing that can take away from you the blessings and the promises of God. That that you are a child of the living God. And it's not because of your merit, it's because of His. It's not because of your grace, it's because of His. there's not a devil in hell that can stop you from being victorious because you are bonded with Christ. You're together. Inseparable. Don't you love that? Inseparable. He said, are you thankful that you're bonded with Christ? Are you thankful that, that there is, is comfort, encouragement? It, it means there's a consolation. There, there's something there that, that when we are encouraged about being united with Christ, that, that there's something that brings us hope. It's like Micah 7:8 when he said, Rejoice not against me, my enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be my light. What he was saying is, I may not always win, but I'm gonna win the race. I may not win every battle, but I am going to win the war. And, and I'm not always going to be perfect, and I may stumble and fall, but there is an encouragement there to know that the Lord is always with us, that he will never forsake us, he will never leave us, and we can always get back up. He said that if there's any fellowship, is any comfort from his love, have you ever been comforted with the love of the Lord? How many times has the Lord comforted us in our times of stress, in our times of grief, in our times of sorrow, that the Lord has just blessed us? You ever been driving down the road, just minding your own business, and then the Holy Spirit just invade your life? How many times have you just been around the house, maybe mowing the yard or doing dishes or whatever it may be, cooking dinner, and just the presence of God just grab you, and you realize that He loves us? Are you thankful for that? Paul's reminding them, and he's reminding us. Are you thankful for the fellowship with the Spirit? Fellowship with the Spirit, that He is in us, and we're in Him. How many times that we we have communicated with the Lord, and, and, and He speaks to us. That we are His sheep and His sheep know His voice. How many times has the Holy Spirit directed us? How many times have you been reading the Word of God and the Holy Spirit directs your mind and direct your life? Or maybe you're, you're standing in the grocery store line and the Lord speaks to you and says, speak to this person over here or bless that person over there. We have fellowship with the Spirit. The Spirit Of the living God, we have fellowship with him. He lives in us. That same spirit that was in Christ is in us. The same spirit of God that said, let there be light and there was light. That same spirit that allowed Christ to walk on water, to heal the blind eyes and to raise the dead lives in us. Man, you've got to catch this. Paul's saying if you want to overcome adversity, you've got to learn to be thankful. Think about the things that we're thankful for. I'm thankful for his encouragement. I'm thankful for his comfort from his love. I'm thankful for the fellowship with the Spirit of God that he never leaves and he's always there. And I'm thankful for the tenderness and compassion from him. And Paul's saying, you remember all of these things? That you, Are you thankful for these? And he says, if you're thankful, if there's any consolation, he goes on to say, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Note that he says, make my joy complete, because Paul's desire was for the blessing of others and not for himself. He was selfless. He was preferring others. Paul was devoted to God and to his people. Paul said, for for me, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. What he was simply saying was this. I would like to be with the Lord. But right now, the Lord has me here because I'm devoted to you. He was selfless in his life. He said, if, you, if you're thankful for all of these things, then be like-minded. Have the same goals and the passions. Bless one another. Don't, don't, don't have one goal over here and one goal over there. That's why the scripture says a, a three-stranded cord is hard to break. If you get people that are united in cause and effort, there's amazing things that can happen. Just look at the 120 in the upper room. There was 500 that had seen Christ after his resurrection, but 120 stuck together, and they turned the world upside down for God. Great things happen when people are like-minded. They begin to bless one another. They begin to encourage one another. They said, have the same love. That's the agape love. It's brotherly love. It's fondness. It's affection. It's family. He's, he's saying, look around at the people. Why don't we do that? Look around at people for a minute, would you? Even the ones you don't like. I hope you like everybody. Everybody. Do you realize this is your family? If they're children of God, you're a child of God, you're going to be spending eternity together? The Bible says that how we treat one another, that's how they know that we're Christians. And this is what Paul is reminding them that that the spirit of of thankfulness, that that if we are thankful for the things that God has done, that that we will show that thankfulness by having the same love for one another, a, a true affection. That you want to see the best interest, that we're one in spirit and one in purpose, that we have one cause, and that one cause is is our reason for serving. We're all on the same page. We all have our, our one agenda, and that's to love God and love one another. We serve and we bless and encourage because we have one goal, and our one goal is to please God and to bless one another. Isn't that incredible? That, that all the things that we're thankful for, when, when, when life is a struggle, when things are, are hard, that if we're thankful for what God has given us, and we begin to minister and become part of the body of Christ, and we love God, and we begin to minister to others, amazing things happen. Our life is changed. He goes on to say, and gives us the understanding of how to do this, he says, do nothing out of selfies. Selfish ambition or vain conceit. Oh, I hate when I see my name in the Bible. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. He said selfish ambition. That's the desire to put yourself first. It's preeminence. Selfish ambition. I'm going to do this for me, and I'm not going to care what happens to others. And yet humility is the direct opposite. It's lowliness of mind. It's seeing others as a priority. Vain deceit is empty. It's earthly reward. It's, it's show and pretense. It's Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts that, that have went and sold a piece of property and said, you know what? I want to look like them. I want to talk like them. I want to be like them. And yet, I'm going to be me too. And, and I'll keep some of the money back and I'll just lie to them. And Paul, or Peter rather, said, When it was yours, it was yours. If you would have just said, I'm keeping some of it back, it would have been fine. But you're lying to the Holy Spirit. You're saying you're all in and you're one of us, but you're really not. And that's what, that's what the Scripture is, Paul is reminding us today that we serve one another, that we, that we can't do it out of selfishness or, or, or false humility, but we have to have a true understanding that we serve because we love one another, and we serve the world because we love the world. We serve humanity because we love humanity. And the only way that you can do that is to consider others better than yourself. Believe others and their needs are as important as yours. Churches care, change over the years because we care. We sang one of the songs today, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. One of my favorite songs. I love that song. And I I want you to look around for a minute. There's a, there, our senior saints. Isn't that a great word, senior saints? Sounds a whole lot better than old, doesn't it? Our senior saints. We used to sing all of those songs. And today, if in part of them, that's their favorite songs, and they would like to hear them all the time. But do you know the reason why they don't? Because they're preferring you over them. Do you realize that? That some of our older, godly saints in this church and other churches have have allowed the music to change and and the style to change and the philosophy to change. There was a time that you couldn't even stand on the platform with jeans because it might lead to dancing or something. I don't know. (laughs) It's because they prefer. They have preferred seeing growth in others younger than themselves so the next time after service when you when you see one of the the older saints would you thank them because they did it because they love so thank you senior saints for preferring others in choices of music and styles of worship and clothing and everything else you guys are awesome This is what the scripture says, it goes on, it says, each of you should look not only on your own interests, but also on the interests of of others. So you should build your life, but you should also help build the lives of others around you. Don't just think about building your own life, but bless others. I I had a friend of mine when I was new in church, man, I, I was young and didn't know a lot and didn't know a lot about church, didn't know a lot about a lot of things, although I thought I did, but I had, I had a car, an old car, and, and the starter went out, and I couldn't get the starter off. And a friend of mine, which was about, I don't know, 25, 30 years my senior, and was, was uh, the manager or the, of a big company in, in town and had, had made well for himself in life, but we just kind of hit it off. And when he heard that I was having trouble getting the starter off, he comes over, and James came over and crawled under the car and changed the starter out for me. He could have paid for somebody to do it. He could have bought me a car. I wouldn't have minded. (laughs) But he chose to be a servant and crawled under there and, and got his knuckles greasy because he liked me. He was truly a devoted friend. It's a friend of mine, John, that... I think Nancy may have mentioned this a few weeks ago, but in between services, first service and second service, we had somebody had a flat tire out in in the parking lot. So John just goes into his office, changes clothes, goes out and changes the tire and then cleans up and goes back in and plays music for the second service. Never told anybody. The only reason I knew is because the person that had a flat tire told me. Building others lives speaking into them blessing them encouraging them this is the attitude of a servant that helps you overcome the adversities in life he said your attitude should be the same as that of christ jesus think about that for a moment our attitude should be the same as christ jesus do you realize that sometimes our attitudes aren't the same as christ jesus When I dropped the TV on my thumb yesterday, my attitude was not the same as Jesus. I prayed, I prayed, Lord, don't let me beat this TV to death. Attitude, you know what that tells me? Attitude is a choice. Attitude is a choice. We are moral beings with independent wills, and we get to choose. And we are created to respond to circumstances, people, and in our environment. Something happens to us, a stimulus happens to us, and we have the freedom to choose, and then we make a response based upon what we choose. That's attitude is a choice. We get to choose to be angry or not angry. We get to choose to forgive or not get forgive. We get to choose to be. Uh, joyful or not joyful, there's a lot of things in life that we get to choose to do. Can I remind you that joy is, is a state of being? It's not an attitude or a feeling. Or it's not a feeling, rather. And you say, well, well, my, I, I've made choices in the past that are really affecting me today. Do you realize that past choices don't have to define you? Because it's a choice. Your past can influence you, but it doesn't have to determine you. We don't necessarily belong to all of our choices from yesterday. Sure, we may have made some bad choices, and sure, we may have done some things that, that, that we want to take back, but the reality is that was yesterday. Today we get to choose to have a positive attitude. Today we get to choose to have a victorious attitude. Today we choose to be victorious in Christ. You don't have to live with your past failures and mistakes, and let them determine who you are. We are found in Christ, and you can be as Joshua and say, you can choose whoever you want to serve, but as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Don't allow your attitude to change. Allow it to be like Christ. Choose to be like Christ. Look what Scripture says. Who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But Christ wasn't fighting to gain position or or prominence or preeminence in his life. He was comfortable in his own skin. Because he knew who he was. Something about being a servant requires that we are comfortable with who we are in Christ. Do you understand who you are in Christ? Are you allowing what God says about you to determine your emotion and response? Or are you allowing what the world or yourself is telling you that that is determining your emotion and response? Are you a victorious child of the living God? Or are you defeated because you're allowing the voice of the enemy to speak into your life? And it's a choice. But when you finally understand who you are in God, that you are a child of God, and there's nothing that's going to separate you from Him, and and that you're going to live victoriously, you begin to live that victorious life right here. That that when, when people push against you, You're able to turn the other cheek. You're able to walk another mile with them. If they ask for your coat, you give them your shirt as well. Why do do you do that? Because you're comfortable with who you are. You don't have to defend your ego. You don't have to defend your pride. You don't have to defend who you think you are because you know that you're a child of God. Man, when you get to that place like Christ, that when you realize that, that who you are is not something to be attained, but you've already attained it. You're already a child of God. Do you realize if you're a child of God, you have already entered into eternity? Eternity doesn't begin when the Lord comes back. Eternity began when you, when you gave your life to Him. You're just living this part of eternity in this life. And when this life is over, you'll spend the rest of eternity doing something else. Understand, he knew who he was. Do you realize that Jesus had to grow into who he was? Scripture says in Luke 2:52, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. That lets me know that that growing with who you are, discovering who you are is a process if christ had to grow in wisdom and stature and favor with god and man do you think that we have to grow into who we are in him do you automatically when you become a christian are you automatically full of the fruit of the spirit love joy peace goodness meekness temperance faith do you have all those things or is it one of those things is it one of those circumstances in life where the lord allows situations to happen in your life so you can develop the fruit Of the spirit that you can be more like him it's it's a growing process so if you're not completely there that's okay you're going to find that as christians there are there are those that are on the road that are ahead of you you ever seen one you said man i'd like to be like that guy i'd like to be like that lady man they're, they're just so full of the spirit of love and joy But I guarantee you, no matter where you are, if you stand here, you're going to see people that are farther down that road of grace, and you're going to see people that have less than you. And we're all on the same journey. It's not about about catching up. It's about enjoying where you are and allow the Lord to minister to you and bless you and develop you right now. Enjoy who you are and allow the Lord to develop that spirit in you. Accepting who you are will bring self-esteem, will bring, is, is about esteeming others. Christ knew what, who he was and what he was called to do. And how you value yourself will determine how you value others. I'm going to say that again. How you see yourself Will determine how you see others. How you respond to yourself will determine how you respond to others. If you understand that you are a child of God, you'll respond to people in a godly way. How you see yourself are you weak and anemic? Are, are you down? Are you frail? Or are you full of the Spirit of God? Are you a child of the living God? Do you know your purpose? Are you comfortable in your own skin? Are you able to look and say, I am a child of the living God and there's nothing that the adversary can throw against me that can defeat me because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world and I will not allow my past failures to dictate my future victories. I am a God. Do you see yourself that way? How you see yourself will determine how you respond. We talked about Gideon last week. And, and Gideon, Tom Gideon's one of my favorites as well. And here he is, and he's and he's 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 hiding from the Midianites, and, and the Lord comes over and speaks to him and says, Hey, you mighty man of valor. valor. Do you know what Gideon means? Valiant warrior. Jesus was calling him by his name. He was saying, this is what you are. Do you know what he calls us? Overcomers, victorious. We are, we are free from sin. We, we are more than conquerors through Him that loves us. We, He calls us the children of God, and, and we are part of the family of God. And when we grasp this, when we understand who we are, then the circumstances in our life become small in comparison to what He has called us and what He has made us. What he goes on to say, and we're getting ready to close here. He said, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He humbled himself, and God elevated him. That servanthood, he was thankful, he understood who he was, and when we are thankful for what God has done. When we become comfortable with who we are in Him, we will develop that spirit of a servant that we will minister to those that are around us. We will bless our brothers and sisters in Christ. We will look out for everybody else's interest as much as we look out for our own. We will consider what somebody else wants to do more than what we want to do, and we will begin to bless. And when we do that, There's going to be a time when the Lord gives you a crown of righteousness that will never fade away. He's calling us to be servants. Glory and praise from the Father awaits all of those that that esteem others, that bless others, that encourage others. I'm going to ask our praise team to come. In Matthew 25... In Matthew 25, we see Jesus, and we talked about this before, but Jesus separating the sheep from the goats. We talked about this last week, how, how it was all things that they could do. But notice that in that passage of Scripture, when they, when they fed those that were hungry, and they, and they gave water to those that were thirsty, and they visited those in prison, he called those. All of those, you, that fed those that were hungry, that that gave drink to those that were thirsty, that clothed those that were naked, that visited those that were in prison, he he called them, are you ready for this? Righteous. Righteous. Notice that every one of those acts is, is an act of a servant. Paul is reminding the church in Philippi, and I believe he's reminding us today, that it's not about the circumstances we face in life, it's about the attitude in which we face them. It's about being thankful for what the Lord has done and allowing a servant's heart to be built in us. And the only way we can do that is resting in Him, allowing us to be void of selfishness and take on that nature of Christ, that mindset of Christ, to be comfortable with who Christ has called us to be? Are you comfortable when the Lord says that, that you are more than a conqueror through Him? Is that something that you Do you think, okay, it's going to happen one of these days? Or do you grab it and wrestle with it and say, it's mine right now? Who are you in Christ? Do you believe it? Until you get to the place that you're comfortable with who Christ has made you, you will always wrestle and struggle with being a servant. because we will always seek preeminence. We will always seek vainglory as validation. But when we put our validation in who Christ has made us, we don't need to be validated in this world because we're validated in him. Scripture tells us that for the joy set before the Lord, he endured the cross And despise the shame can you imagine Mm -hmm. and i know none of us really can but can you if you would in your mind's eye would you look at that how here's christ came down from heaven became god became man he's he's become part of his creation and he's walking among us and talking among us and blessing us and 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 he does no sin and yet here he is in the garden, and he begins to pray. And, and, he, and as he's praying, he says, Father, is it, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. He didn't want to die the way he did. And yet there was part of it that said, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He did it because he had this great compassion and love and devotion for us. He became selfless so that we could be somebody that we could be redeemed and purchased and become children of God. And he asks of us today, will you too put on that mindset? Will you too serve your brothers and sisters and serve those in your community and bless others? Know why I keep coming back to this in, in, my, in my spirit, but you'll never attain that until you embrace who God has made you, until you become comfortable in the skin of righteousness and who He has made you. And when you identify and embrace who He has made you, you will be transformed. And servanthood not, not only quits becoming a chore, but a great joy.